The following message by Reverend Helm was presented April 4th, 1976, at the Waiting on God, entitled, The Natural Man. The natural man receives not the things of God, they're foolishness to him. You take every person that's attended this waiting upon God that is tended to be a natural man, uh, the waiting and various things that we do is, is rather uh, odd and foolish to them. They don't understand it. It irks them. It upsets them. That's why people go in and out, in and out sometimes. They can't stand it, so they just come back to get little fragments of something they like. Uh, if you get that much, that'll help you. The natural man just wants to get little things that he likes. And he wants to tune out and then tune in. Are you with me? The natural man does not understand spiritual things. He's irked by it. Whenever God works, and the natural man can know the scripture, he can give you more scripture, he can give you scripture, he can give you chapter after chapter after chapter, book after book, he knows all theology, he knows all about the orthodoxy, he knows all about the fundamentals and the basics. But the natural is in control, not the spiritual man. The natural man resists resents and contends. The natural man resists, resents, resists and contends. The natural man finds fault, murmurs, and criticizes. The spiritual man is like a little child with his mouth open inside. He takes everything, comes by as best he can, says, Hallelujah, thank you, glory be to God. He doesn't measure it out or weigh it. He just takes it in, says, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, gets every little fragment that God wants him to have and lets the rest go by, forgets all about that it ever was there. The natural man is picky, or woman. They're very choicy. They don't want this and they don't want that. This is what they want. The spiritual man, he takes what seems to be what is anything and makes it the very thing that brings to him what he needs. The natural man is on the judgment seat. He's looking to judge everything. Anything and everything, he has a tendency to measure it, to weigh it, to inspect it. natural man is an inspector. He inspects everything. He's analytical. He puts the pressure on the spiritual man. He puts pressure wherever he can because it's natural to put pressure on anything and everything. Everything. The natural man puts pressure on anything and everything. The natural man will condone foolishness and jesting. He likes the frills of things. He likes certain areas in the earth. The natural man does. 
He's looking for certain things of the earth that will benefit him. He likes funny things, enjoys funny things. The natural man is foolish, and he'll kid people. He'll kid you. He's just a kidder. You take a fellow that's a kidder, you never know when he's telling you the truth. Can't depend on him. God can't depend on us if, I, if I'm like that. You won't walk with God many hours. You won't, you won't pray many hours till that will re be revealed to you. Some people think it's fun to tease and to kid. That's the natural man, not the spiritual man. Spiritual man is nothing like that. Never has been and never will be. Because he's got something so much sweeter, more, more wonderful, more glorious, more marvelous. Marvelous. Spiritual man walks in the areas where these little childish things do not dwell. Paul said, I put away childish things. So the natural man seeks after earthly gain. He's elated over it. But the spiritual man is thrilled with revelation and the fellowship with God and with the saints. He's thrilled with answers to prayer, direction of the Holy Ghost, and the Word of God revealed in the soul. He just, he's so thrilled over it, he's like a little boy with a new toy. That's all he's got. Take a child and give him more than one toy and you're going to probably spoil him. In all probability, if you give your children more than one or two toys, they're spoiled because they're just frustrated. They just can't enjoy it. Give them one thing, let them play with it a long time. If you have more than one, he'll be spoiled because he wants something else. When he gets that, he wants something else. And when he gets that, he wants something else. When he gets that, he wants something else. The natural man is never satisfied with all he has. Spiritual man is happy with nothing. Do you know that, that scripture says, be careful for nothing? Be careful for nothing. That means what seems to be nothing, be careful with it. How many ever saw this before? <laughs> he just gave this to me just some time ago, and I want to thank you, Jesus, for your grace. I'll never have anything else again. Praise the Lord. Just like he revealed to me at Brother and Sister Worley's basement in a meeting there where there was about 45, 50 of us, and all at once he revealed to me. I've given the scripture many times about where Jesus said that the foxes of the earth have their holes, the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, nowhere to lay his head. Jesus said he had no place, nowhere, to lay his head. I've given that many times, and you have too, many of you. But that night, I, the Holy Ghost brought it to me just like he brought this scripture, be careful for nothing. I saw it. He revealed it to me. You see, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is rest. All Jesus had to do was just speak, and he had all rest. See, God is rest. God's eternal rest. See, he's the Son of God. He was with God in the beginning from the foundations of the world. And most all of us have thought when Jesus said he had no place, nowhere to lay his head, the foxes, they lay their heads down, the birds get a nest and they cradle themselves, the Son of Man had no place, and they thought the Son of Man meant a pillow, a bed where he could lie down. Well, he had beds at Peter and James' home and, and at uh, 
Lazarus and Mary and Martha and Joseph and Mary in many homes. I, don't, I never did ask him how many beds he really had. But he had quite a number. You see, he wasn't talking about a place to lay his head because he was the head of the body. You see, his head, the only place his head is is on a body. He had nowhere to lay it. He just needs a body. See, his head on a pillow, but on a body. He said he had nowhere to lay it. You see, he's been trying to get his head on a body for 2,000 years. His head belongs on a body, and his head will not fit on a disobedient, natural sent body. You take men of the natural mind that want to arrange it and instigate it, he just can't do it. Just can't do it. He can't put his head upon a body that is divided, that is critical, that is disobedient. See, his head will not fit on a disobedient body. Because they crucified him. They crucified him. See, the natural man crucifies him. He can only sit on the spiritual body. He can't stay on the natural body. Natural man, spiritual man, carnal man. The natural man, the carnal man, the spiritual man, there's three types. See, they're mentioned right here in the scripture the son read a while ago. And so Jesus' head will not, will not rest, it cannot be placed on any body but a holy body, a pure body. An obedient body. You know where tell is yet? He's seeking to find an obedient body. People get together and they preach and they sing and they talk, but are they an obedient body? Are they walking with God? Is the Holy Spirit leading them? Are they going by the witness of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God? You see, his, uh, his head can only be on a body that's completely his. Obedient. It cannot rest on a disobedient body. Now, if I get on that, I'll get to preaching on that. I'm on the spiritual maternal man, natural man. See, the natural man is delighted over earthly organizations and earthly situations. Anything that the earth is in, oh, the natural man has a great time with it. Do you know that? He really does. The earthly man, the natural man, has a great time. In the 16th chapter of Luke, verse 15, it says here, And Jesus said to them, Ye are which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's the 15th verse of the 16th chapter of St. Luke. Now it says here that that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination with God. Now natural men get together and they have great clubs and they have great organizations and great get-togethers and great projects, and they think it's great, it's wonderful, it's highly esteemed, but it's an abomination with God, unless it is led for the Holy Ghost, unless the Holy Spirit leads the church. Oh, my heart's hurting now. Unless the Holy Spirit is able to lead the professed body, we are not the church. 
then if we sometimes a group of people can get to the place where the blessing of God is upon them, then they say, we're it. We've got a little bit of it now. We are it. Come to us. See, and then the instant we think that, we're not the church at all. The instant that a body of people think that they are the blessed ones, that instant they're not. Because that's spiritual pride that comes out of the carnal nature. That's why he said, narrow the way and few there be that find it. You can take church people and they can have a blessing and God can bless them and they think, oh, we've got a great fellowship. We are it. But just as soon as we think we are something, we're nothing. He doesn't think of himself to be something. When he's nothing, he's deceived himself. And so therefore, God, Christ's head can't fit on a body like that. There's no place to rest it. See, when we're complete and holy of the Lord, then his head is upon that body. So we must be nothing that he can be everything. We must be absolutely, completely, entirely obedient and sensitive to what Jesus wants, God wants in Christ. You see, every one of us to be in the body. Otherwise, we hospitalize it. Are you following me? Am I going too fast? Okay, how much of this are you laying up in your heart? So the natural man is elated over earthly adventures, earthly advancements, and projects. Thrilled over it. You get a spiritual man with a group of men and tell them about the kingdom of God and the wonderful answers to prayer and revelation. And if there's a spiritual man there, he'll light up like a Christmas tree. If there's a spiritual man and a hundred men, and you get to telling about the king, kingdom of God and Jesus' sweetness and the glory and souls transformed, believers cleansed and filled with the Spirit, the works of the guidance of the Holy Ghost, each one of the hundred, whoever's in it, will light up. And the others, it'll turn them off. The carnal man turns off. The natural man turns off. The spiritual man is turned on whenever there is revelation of Jesus Christ, when God has led it. Now, if that person that's talking is talking about certain spiritual things and the Spirit isn't in it, it won't turn anybody on. It'll be an offense, and that's why the church, do you know that about 80-some percent of the people in the United States is offended with the professed church? How many knew that? 84% of the people in the United States are hurt with we people in the church. Scurries with it. Too many of us are Pharisees. We say one thing, but inside we're not really all-hearted for Jesus. There's very few people in the ordinary church that's all for Jesus, completely for him, because they didn't know him when he was here. Now, if they didn't know him when he was here, how would they know him now? Unless we die out to self. See, that's the only way we're going to walk with him is to die to self continually, constantly, consistently, and walk with him absolutely with him having the full reign of us. That's the only way he can be the body of it. See, he cannot be the head of a body that asserts itself. He can only be the head of a body that is completely self-denying and absolutely consistently obedient to him. Because disobedience is sin, and how could he be detected and connected with sin? He won't. He can't. And yet he loves sinners. He loves all sinners alike. Just like he loves all the rest of us. In fact, he loves our enemies just as much as he loves us. 
But the holiness, the great spiritual law, will not allow the pure, holy Son of God to be connected to a sinful body. It must be an obedient, pure body, for he's a jealous God. He wants me pure. He wants me as pure as it possible be in this world. The natural man doesn't appreciate. The carnal man stirs him up a little bit and wants me to get on to another subject. Spiritual man says, Hallelujah, Lord, help me to be holy. Thank you, Jesus. It's pure. I feel good. That makes me rest. There remaineth therefore a rest unto the people of God. The natural man, the carnal man, will try in their own strength and work out the program. But the spiritual person will rely upon the leading of the Holy Spirit. There isn't any other spiritual law to go by. The spiritual man will pray and labor and read and study and meditate, but he'll let the Holy Spirit lead. And he'll have to wait, he'll have to die out, continue there, or the Holy Spirit cannot lead because the flesh will take over. The carnal nature will creep back in a little and take over and make some instigation, some plan, manipulating. The natural man and the carnal man is self-centered, self-sufficient. The spiritual woman, the spiritual man, senses his inadequacy, his limitation, his nothingness, his utter frailty, that it's only through the Holy Spirit working through him that anything's going to last. Now, you can get a marvelous mind going, but if God isn't in that which comes through the mind, it won't last long. It soon is past. But if the Holy Spirit works through that intellectual, that beautiful mind, then what he's working will not end. Because he never starts anything, he can't continue on. And he doesn't start anything that he's going to leave. Because what he starts is going to stay with it forever. What we start, what happens in the natural mind, in the carnal mind, what we instigate is our own doing and it's dead at its birth. But what he operates through the spiritual mind is on and on and on and on and on and on. The natural man is moody. Everything's going good. He's in good shape. But if things crosses up, what he thinks, boy, I tell you, he looks at his face, and his face has got a frown. He don't want it on there, but it's there. You can take a man that's a natural man, and he's got a certain look on his eyes and his face and his countenance, and he can't get it off of there. And that's why you fellows, some of us are scared when we get in the pulpit and look out on Sunday morning and see the folk out there. What? It's awful, isn't it? Yes, it's awful. You, you, you've preached for about 20-some years, haven't you? Brother Everett, you've preached for 30-some years, haven't you? 38 years. And you get up in the pulpit and you look out and you look for, you look for countenances that are light and beautiful, that are with you. Well, you take a school teacher, she can tell who has their license by the way they look, by the way they respond. But you take the man of God and he gets in the pulpit, he can tell whether people are really going with Jesus or not because everybody with Jesus, I tell you, they're just having a time. Yeah, they're all, they're just, they're light, they're praying. See, any man that's going with Jesus, and there's not too many of them in the world. There's a handful, just a few, that are really going with him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength. But the carnal mind, the carnal man, he's got a look on his face in his eyes that he can't take off of there. 
until the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus, takes it all, takes it out of it. I thought, said, son Jack was saved. He hasn't looked like the same fellow. He hasn't looked like the same boy. Just changing. Life. Just life. Yeah. That's the way it's all the rest of it. I just use him as an example. Because God changed his life. And I've been praying, oh, encourage son Jack that he'll never look back or look at anybody. He'll keep praying and reading his Bible and witnessing and whatever he feels led. Get up and say, I think we ought to sing or somebody ought to testify. If God laid something on his heart, have him to do it. He's been trying to do that since his conversion. You know, I told him this and he's heard me say this through the years that if he'll just keep that up, it's going to get lighter and lighter Amen. and lighter and lighter. But he doesn't look like the same man. No. All that dark, reddish, brownish cast that's on every one of us until we're saved, Jesus took it all away. Just takes it out of there. Off of me. Off of you. All of us. Reverend E.R. Lewis said that when he saw me before my conversion, he thought I was a picture of despair. I took Comer Tankersley to see him. He's 90 years old in a few months. He takes care of his wife. I took Brother Tankersley. Did you, did you get drilled with him? But he told me, he told you and me, that he could see that, Dave, you know your dad. Yeah. Right, just keep on talking. They'll get it fixed up up here after a while. Anyway, yeah. when we there went in, in sure. you was asking him about the time your dad had him in your church. Yeah. And your dad had him for years. Yes, sir. And uh, you was a saying that he was the one that had to pay him. And he said that he knew that night that you was going to get saved the very night that you know that he, the preacher, know that you was going to get saved that night. And it was, was an experience to me to hear him tell that and him 90 years old and to remember how he could remember. Oh, his it was, was wonderful. Oh, yeah. You couldn't imagine. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was just wonderful. Yes, sir. Thank you. It stirred by the comber. It blessed him as that precious servant told. And he said when he turned around and looked at my face, I was a picture of despair. He said it was the awfulest looking situation on my face. It was a sight to behold because I was full of darkness and sin. I was lost. I was far from God, though I'd prayed every day for years. I was so far from God. I knew the Bible. I had prayed at morning time before sunup. But on my face was a picture of despair until Jesus came in there. <laughs> and I need Jesus all the time. I, I need him all, every second. Say, we're going to have to stop. We're supposed to eat at 11 o'clock, so we'll just have to quit. This concludes the message on The Natural Man by Reverend Helms.